Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel from Achiamet Synagogue and author Jonathan Eig as they talk about this week's Torah portion of Vayechi. It ain't over till it's over. The Jewish argument against fate. When you write a biography, you know, you, you've written about very famous people, whether it's Al Capone or Lou Gehrig or Muhammad Ali or Dr. King and... You sort of you know the story, you know how it ends, you know how you know the basics. Do you ever feel like as you study their lives that they were fated for a certain greatness? Like this was this was who they were and this was who they were gonna be, and it was sort of written in the stars. No, not at all. And in fact, I think it's really important to me when I write these stories to make sure the reader doesn't feel that way at all that there's some mystery in it, that the, there's some action required, that, you know, yes, absolutely, everything had to fall in the right place for Muhammad Ali to get his chance to fight for the heavyweight crown, and then the next day to declare that he was no longer going to be a Christian, that he believed in in the, in the nation of Islam, and he, he was going to protest the Vietnam War. He had to be in a position for all that to happen, so it seems like, you know, almost the stars had aligned, but He's the one with the agency. He's the one who has to set, has to actually win the fights and has to decide that he has the courage to stand up. He could have just said, well, I'm a champ now. I can make a million dollars advertising Coca-Cola. I better not say I'm a Muslim. I'll just, I'll just, you know, keep that to myself. Uh, but he, he makes that choice. Uh, nobody else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Martin Luther King. Yeah. He's in the right, he's the exactly the right person in the right place when the Montgomery bus boycott starts, but he had to do a million things to, to get there and then he had to decide whether he was willing to you know risk execution by the clan by putting himself at the at the forefront of that movement so um it might seem like all the stars aligned but i think it required action on the part of these heroes and i think it's really important not to forget that or else you know they lose some of their some of their power so if you kind of disassemble what you were saying you use the word agency you implied free will mm -hmm. and choice. We have choices to make and we can, you know, those comes a fork in the road and you have to choose, right? Um, I was just thinking about Yogi Berra's, you know, very famous line about a fork in the road, take it. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, we have to make choices in this life. And there's a very interesting passage in this week's Torah reading. It's the portion of Vayachi that I think really speaks to this. Vayachi is, and he lived. It's really about the end of the life of Jacob. And he's getting his affairs in order. And one of the things he's going to do is he's going to bless his sons. And he calls them together in this way. Gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father, Israel. Now, when you hear that, one verse is embellishing the next. It's emphasizing it. But the rabbis never let anything like that go by. And they take note of the fact that in the first verse, it says, so I can tell you what will happen in days to come. And then in the second verse, it just says, listen to your father, Israel. And from that they say, well, why in one verse was it this uh, promise of telling the future and the next not? According to Rashi, the great exegete, he says, Jacob wished to reveal what would happen in the future. And he was going to tell his sons, not just, you know, 
about their blessing. He's going to say, this is what's going to happen in your life and, and your descendants' lives. He's going to tell them the future. But God thought better of that and removed his prophecy from him so he couldn't do it. So this is an interesting story, but I think there's something deeper here, and that is that Jews do not believe in fate. Jews don't believe in fate. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think of that idea? I think it's exactly right, and it connects to what you know I was saying earlier about agency. I think that you know if Jacob had delivered the prophecy and told everybody their futures, it r- ruins the story of your own life because, <laughs> uh, like, who would want to know? Like, if if uh, if I told you that you were going to have this extraordinary journey over the next 10 years and that you were going to, you know, launch this new chapter of your life and this and that was going to happen. Well, then what would be the point of a, it would take all the fun out of it, but B, it would um, destroy your own agency. So, you know, um, I don't see anything good about it. You know, it's interesting that you say that and you're an author, you're a biographer, you're a storyteller. So of course you would see it that way, but if you knew what was going to happen, if you knew the uh, how your how the story of your life was going to end, if someone offered you that, would you take it? Well, we have some of that available to us now with certain tests that will tell you whether you are likely, and I think that, that you know we we will see this happening with a greater degree of certainty. You are likely to develop Alzheimer's, or you're likely to develop certain kinds of cancers. Some of these things, you know, we can tell now at a fairly early age. And the question is, would you want to know? Well. If you're asking me, the answer is no. I really wouldn't want to know the answer. It spoils the joy of life in a way. And I would hate to think that there's one story to be told, right? Mm -hmm. For Jews, the Torah will often say, if you follow the mitzvot, then you'll be rewarded. If you choose not to, you will not be rewarded. The agency is within you. I think that if I said yes to that question, I think the answer would be something along the lines of, if you chose this way, this is what your life would look like. If you chose this way, this is what your life is going to look like. And so just bear that in mind. But you already know that. You already yes. know that as well. We're having a debate, what scholars would say, is a debate between Athens and Jerusalem. In Athens and Greece, fate was very much part of the writing. I mean, the Greek tragedy was that you knew that this person was fated and you wanted to see how that fate was ultimately going to be realized. So it's interesting. We think that in with all of the suffering of the Jewish people, that there would be a word for tragedy in Hebrew, hmm. in the kind of the classic Greek sense, like you were fated and, you know, the tragedy and the curtain comes down. Now, there's a word in Hebrew, ason, it means a mishap, a disaster, a calamity, but not, I mean, there are bad things that happen, uh, surprising things, but not in the classic sense, right? Not in the sense that the hero's destined to experience some sort of downfall or destruction or there's a character flaw. Judaism doesn't have a word for it because we don't believe that fate is blind. And... Um, I, I, I think that's such an important idea for us in this world in which we live. Because without agency, then who are we? What are we? What is our life going to be? Are we simply cogs in a big machine and we sort of give up on that? Or do we believe that change is possible? 
change within ourselves and change within society. Yeah, and I, and I think that's why we do religion. It's not because we, we want the easy answers. We want somebody to tell us if we are living a good life. It's because we you have to do the work to explore what it means to live a good life. And it's in the work that the rewards come. It's not just the knowing what to do. But sometimes I think we live as though we're fated. I talk to people sometimes and they'll tell me, oh, this always happens to me. Hmm. I never win. I don't even try anymore because it's not worth it. And in a way, that's a way of embracing the notion of fate. That yeah. you're fated to be unhappy, or you're fated to be alone, or you're fated to be this, or you're fated to be that. And I think that that's part of the human condition. I think it's understandable sometimes in our life history to feel like, you know, everything happens to me, or I'm always the one where the worst thing happens. But it's understandable. It's just not Jewish. It's just not Jewish. And so with the people with our history, it's so funny to say that. You'd say, well, of course, Jews would think that. But actually, no, it's something very, very different. It was Isaac Bersheva Singer who once said, we must be free. We have no choice. Hmm. It's just such, you know, uh, Isaac Bersheva Singer line, right? Yeah. That's a very Jewish understanding. You have to be free. This is what you're fated to do from a Jewish perspective is to use your free will and, you know, whether you're going to reach that, you have that potential. Potential is so different than fate, I think. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we, we of course, love to joke about how much we suffer, how much the Jews suffer, and how difficult our history has been. But the only reason we do that is because we have persevered through it. If that's part of our identity, it's not the suffering, it's the struggle against the suffering. And we can joke about the suffering because we know that we have not just accepted it lying down. It's interesting. I just had a funny thought about that because Chicagoans, the Cubs fans, I think were very much part of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For the long time, they were the most Jewish of all baseball teams, I would say. Right. You're the lovable losers. And, you know, it's just the curse of the goat and, you know, all that stuff. But down deep, you were always waiting for the other shoe to drop. It was like, you know, the, there, it'll be in 1969. It's going to be the Mets again. It's not going to happen. And so don't get your hopes up, kid, right? And, and so it was a very exhilarating season, even though I'm from Cleveland. That was painful for me. But the reality was it was exhilarating, but there was something fascinating going on psychologically for Chicagoans. Like, can I really believe this is going to happen? Are we really in the playoffs? And there we are in the final game, right? That seventh game in Cleveland. And it looks like it's over. But somehow what some other teams do, this, this team did. It rained, and then they came out and won the game. Yeah. So in other words, it was a lesson on how we're actually not fated to be the tragic figure or the lovable loser. Yeah, I think that's no, there's no question about that. And I think that if you ask most people, would they rather be subject to fate or to control their own destiny? I'd like to think that most of us would choose controlling our own destiny. Well, that's what America was, wasn't it? I mean, America was that country where you could do that, right? That, I mean, that's, that's what made America different. And I just hope that we, we don't lose that idea. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's up to us. Let's to get back to the point of having agency. It's us to make sure up to us to make sure that we don't accept the conditions that where we slip into lethargy and acceptance of the, uh, you know, with this attitude that we can't control our fates and that we had better just accept it. That that's a recipe for disaster. No question. Well, listen, Jonathan, I want to thank you because you gave me the opportunity to show that sports is Torah, too. <laughs> well done. All right. Now, if we can just prove that it's not the fate of the Chicago Bears, that'll be a whole other question. Talk about suffering. <laughs> On that happy note, thank you, Jonathan. Thanks, Rabbi. Bye.